Today's NBA trade deadline episode of the Hail to the District podcast is brought to you by our friends at InTheGymRange.com. My buddy John and I are going to talk plenty about the NBA trade deadline, but In the Gym Range is also a great site for in-depth information on the high school, college, and NBA games. You can visit them by going to INTHEGYMRANGE.com, In the Gym Range, or simply clicking on the link in our friends and sponsors section on the homepage of the Hail to the District website. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and my buddy John and I decided to get together this evening and put together this impromptu podcast just hours before the NBA trade deadline. We're actually recording this on Wednesday evening to talk about the move that the Wizards just made actually about a few hours ago, acquiring forwards Boyan Bogdanovich and Chris McCullough from the Brooklyn Nets for Andrew Nicholson, Marcus Thornton, and the Wizards' 2000 first round, 2017, so this upcoming draft's first round pick. That is lottery protected, but God forbid the Wizards actually end up in the lottery this year. So before we get really farther into it, John, I'll go ahead and provide let you provide your initial thoughts because I think you and I were kind of on the same page when it came to our initial reaction to this deal. So the floor is yours. I mean, it's, you saw it coming because Ernie made a mess this summer and he had to clean it up. And his only tool for cleaning up his mess was their first round pick. And so he was able to ship off Andrew Nicholson's terrible contract to Nobody else in the NBA was even offering the guy, but Ernie thought it was a good idea. And he cleaned it up by selling off a, a valuable first-round pick in the most sought-after draft in in years for a 28-year-old Euro who's good, okay at shooting threes and terrible on defense and really doesn't help this team because the wing is not our problem on the bench. The problem is our backup point guard. So... I understand the guy adds a little bit of offense for the second unit, but not where we need it. So it like just it's just bad. <laughs> so my counter to that on a couple levels: one, the first round pick is the first round pick point is one hundred percent accurate. The Wizards have now traded away three of their last first four round first four or the last four first round picks. Sorry, that's a mouthful. But they traded away three of their last four top picks. Right, because that's vintage Ernie. Now, you could say it's not really a net loss, because what is Ernie going to what is Ernie going to make with those picks anyway? He did draft Kelly Oubre with the one pick we have, but other than that, his track record's a little spotty. See Jan Vesely over Kawhi Leonard as an example. Um, two, yes, Nicholson's contract, even though seven million dollars a year in today's NBA is actually considered a bargain, his contract is hideous. For the exact it's a bargain way. if you actually have talent. It's right. terrible for somebody who's making a who shouldn't make above veterans minimum. He should be making Marcus Thornton money, which wasn't even a million dollars a year. Right. Uh, he's making I think it's ju- just south of seven million dollars a year, which is incredible. I mean, for a guy who, I mean, I know he was a first round pick a few years ago, but he's fallen out of the rotation so fast and rightfully so because he just plain stinks. Yeah, he's terrible. Um, I will disagree in that every time I watch the Wizards, I do think that their number one need was just anyone. And I mean anyone who could score off the bench, the, the microwave offense, if you will. I agree that Trey Burke stinks. I agree that Thomas Sadoransky couldn't throw the ball into the hoop if the hoop was an ocean. Um, he's a good passer. He's kind of up and down. But to me, the fact 
remains that nobody outside of the top five on the Wizards was worth a damn at putting the ball through the hoop. I mean, Jason Smith has a nice mid-range game. He does things. He's an effort guy. He'll put the ball back in. That's fine. It's well and good. But no one is actually a capable scorer, which is why I loved when they were looking at irrational scoring guys or thinking about an irrational scorer like Lou Williams, and everyone was saying, well, he doesn't play defense. I'm like, defense at this point in time is not really my main concern. I just want someone who can put ball into hoop. That's really all we need on the second unit there. Good. Yeah. I I mean, I, so sweet Lou was my, my top one that I'm like, you know, I could, I could almost talk myself into giving up the first to get him. Um, I mean, Ubre is their, their six man and he's a really nice three and D player, but he's not, he, he can't create for himself. All he knows how to do, he's a lefty. So he just goes left and everybody knows it. Um, and he's a slasher. He's not a creator. So, yeah, they, they needed some scoring. Trey Burke actually is a reasonable scorer, but he is so terrible on defense that he is he is a net massive negative. Trey Burke is awful. He is awful. I mean, I was playing around the NBA trade machine. I was doing anything I can to get rid of him. Uh, great stat. The team has been outscored by 7.9, per, 7.9 points per 100 possessions whenever Trey Burke is on the court. That means a minute Trey Burke is on the court, you're at an eight-point deficit, basically. Now, yeah. my even better stat is that when Marcus Thornton was on the court, that number jumps to 12.7 points. That's neither here nor there, but that's because Marcus Thornton was freaking I, terrible. I am pleased that I don't have to look at his ugly mug anymore um, sitting on the sideline. Just seeing him in a Wizards uniform upset me because I, I never could understand why they brought him back. Scott Brooks uh, should get Coach of the Year just for DNPing Marcus Thornton <laughs> since early January. <laughs> just for that, he deserves to get Coach of the Year. I mean, let's not, we'll just throw the Wizards record out for that matter. I mean, saying, no, we're not going to play Marcus Thornton. Because you could see Marcus Thornton playing 15 to 17 minutes a game under Randy Whitman. You, you just could. And then Whitman telling everyone about what great work habits that Marcus Thornton has. I mean, at least Scott Brooks is like, no, you stink. We're just going to put you over there. Don't even bother taking off your warm-ups. Yeah, the the only other trade that I, you know, see, unlike at your office, I actually have you know competent sports fans to talk to. If only and I had competent sports fans I know. in my office to talk. And to. I was telling everybody, I said, you know, one of the guys who's a big college basketball fan, he was really like, "Do not trade this pick. Do not trade this pick. There's so much talent. You can still get good players." And what what is this NBA? The, the whole salary cap, you know, and inflated salaries. Cheap rookie contracts are massively valuable, and we traded that away for a 28-year-old Euro who doesn't play defense and is just an, oh, slightly above-average three-point shooter. Um, so I get, thought that maybe they were going to trade to for Darren Collins, Collison's with the Kings, and I was hoping after their debacle um, that maybe you could get him for a second and – you know something and and not have to give up the first and he i think he would have been a better you know fit to to improve this bench than the move they made i mean given what they gave up for boogie and given the fact that they're under they are basically put a for sale everything must go sign on the front door i would try to throw like a couple of twos because you know we're not going to do anything with a second round pick i try to throw a couple of twos to see if we can do a rent a cop with darren collison for the remainder of the season um i think he's still i think that's still in play but i I, it's definitely 
don't... Yeah, Tim Bontemps of the Post said that, look, this isn't the only deal. The Wizards are still active, but to counter that point, we just lost our biggest chip in terms of our first-round pick. Uh, I do agree. I mean, there's zero disagreement that this is going to be the best draft in years, especially at the top of the draft. But if you look back at some of the mock drafts that are people are publishing, like people who know things about the draft are publishing. If you look at what's going on between 22 and 30 or 20 and 30, it's your standard, there's a bunch of project guys, but there's also a right. bunch of Euros that everyone's reaching for. And I'm like, at some level, I'm like, well, Ernie would have just taken a Euro anyway, because history proved that's all he's really going to do is just take a European guy, because Ernie freaking loves Euros. And he would have just taken a stash guy. But the counter to that is, okay, well, you gave up a first-round pick, but for all intents and purposes, it looks like Boyan's going to be on the team for about three months, and then after that we're going to let him walk because he's a restricted free agent this summer. Are they so, going to let him walk or are they going to match or re-sign him I mean, since even he is restricted? If someone offers even like mid-level exception money, I think we because of the fact that we have to offer auto the max, which, God, I mean, you know, it's still, still mind-boggling to think about that. I don't know if they can afford to give it to them. I mean, I, I don't well, know. You, how... They can, but they would be very close to the luxury tax. They, they they got themselves out of a. They gave themselves some room by dealing Nicholson, so that helps. Um, but you know, Ted doesn't want to pay the luxury exactly. tax. Exactly, Ted loves his monies, and I'm like, I, I don't know if he really wants to do that. I don't um, know if he really wants to win. Exactly, I made my point before, and I'll make it again. I think Ted loves his money more than he loves his wins. So yeah. Um, getting to Boyan, so he's fine to borrow a phrase that everyone talked about, used for the Wizards to begin the season. 14 points a game in about, what, 28 minutes, I think, of playing. Uh, 14 points a game, 3.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists, just under two fouls and two turnovers. He average, actually averages more fouls and turnovers per game than he does assists. 35% from three this year, or actually just below 36%, which is down from 38% last year. Um, streaky scorer, so everyone keeps saying, like, he can get hot. Like, everyone keeps pointing to the fact that he had a 44-point game against, like, Philadelphia or something last year. And this year, he's had 20-point games 11 times. So he's streaky. Um, a couple of people pointed out the fact that in the 2016 Olympics, he was actually the number one scorer among all countries. But... It just keeps coming back to the point that, well, one, you cl- this was a clean up your mess from before. Like this was a, I handed Gilbert this much money. Now I got to clean it up. I handed Andre Blatch this much money. Now I got to clean it up. And oh, look how I cleaned it up. I got a guy. But for how long? And more importantly, was this really the guy? I mean, it's nice. He's six eight. He can score. He can sometimes defend if the guy. You would is- like to think they could have gotten a better rental than than. Bogdan, <laughs> but uh, that's what's that's what's frustrating. It, it's it's purely a rental, and it was totally motivated to get rid of Nicholson. And it doesn't. I mean, I, it doesn't really. I think the big thing is is that we'll see what tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this podcast, since we're publishing it on Thursday, uh, brings about because. Who knows what the East is going to look like by midnight on Thursday? Because yeah, where's Carmelo gonna go? I don't really give a damn about Carmelo. I don't think Carmelo is going to do it, make any difference. I don't. Well, I don't know if he'll get moved. Right. I think if he's going to get moved somewhere, it's going to go to L.A. because that's the only place that Lala will let him go. So it's going to be in L.A. And I think, I mean, if the reports are true from Woj today that 
Paul George is actually on the block, which I think is a bluff, but let's just say it is. And let's say Boston is willing to move the Nets pick, this year's Nets pick. I mean, you put Paul George on that Boston oh team. Oh, my God. That That's nasty. instantaneously puts them toe-to-toe with the Cavaliers. I think Paul George, um, excuse me, Jimmy Butler does does the same, especially if you factor in how good is Kevin Love going to be by the time he gets back from the back surgery and you know if he's going to be fully in shape and fully ready to go by the time they would theoretically get to, I guess, the semis or the Eastern Conference Finals. But point and being... And we still have to see what Toronto looks like with Surge. Exactly. Toronto just got better. We don't really know exactly to what you just said. We don't know what Surge is going to bring to that table. I mean, Surge stunk, but there's a big part of me that he stunk in he Orlando. stunk because of circumstance. Exactly. That's a huge factor. I'm like, it's one of those things where like, if you got out of a really shitty job situation and you moved into a better work environment, I think your productivity goes up as well simply by the fact that you're not in such a shitty environment. Absolutely. And then on top of that, from the pure law of averages, I mean, the Wizards were so incredibly hot since January 1st. Does it cool off? Well, it also cools off because their their 27-game stretch is going to be tough with 17 road games, and their their strength of schedule is harder. So, I mean, their road's hard. And then the the crappy part, though, is that, I mean, they're sitting at number three right now, and – more than likely, I think Toronto is going to overtake them, and then that puts them in the four seed. Which now you got to face Cleveland if you make it to the second round. Whereas you're hoping that you can, you know, I'm 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 putting out best case scenarios. I'm not saying they will, but you know, you're hoping that if they would hold on to that third seed, they match up with the current Boston roster extremely well. I think they match up against them better than anybody else. Um, you think they could potentially advance to the Eastern Conference Finals and then face Cleveland. But if they fall to the fourth or fifth seed, they're in, they're in trouble. My only question is that if the Wizards win the Southeast or whatever conference we're in, do they get the three seed by virtue of the nope. fact that they win the, con- they nope. win the conference? That's, they threw that out. They threw and that out, right? So it's just strictly by your records. It's strictly record. Okay. Yep. So then, yes, exactly to your point. If they end up with the four seed because it's a very reasonable assumption to make that Toronto who's only two games back could leapfrog them. Uh, I agree a hundred percent with everything you said. I would love to see Boston. That's the team I want to see I want them. in the semi semis in this current permutation of the roster, because if they are what they are today, Oh yeah. I mean, there's already the bad blood factor. There's already the, we've beat them factor. Um, that would well, be their a- best player. They can't hide against us. Exactly. They can't hide Isaiah against us because it's like, which guard do you want? Oh, you want to put him on on auto? That's fine. You know, he'll just rain threes on you as well. You know, they just can't. They can't hide him. There's nowhere to hide. Whereas Isaiah any Thomas. against Toronto, they can kind of hide him, and against Cleveland, they can absolutely hide him. So. Yeah, I, I, I would not want to face Toronto. I think they match up well oh, yeah. with us. DeRozan kills us exactly. late, lately. He and, just, I mean, he just murders us, and Kyle Lowry is excellent. One through four is just as athletic as ours, so it would be a war of attrition. And yeah, I mean, I love Bradley Beal, but right now you have to give DeRozan the nod over Beal as far as who you want at your starting point uh, two-guard position. DeRozan but, had, a bat, had a very down January. I think um, entire Toronto. Had well, the really whole team, but I think I think it was partly, partly was a Pat, Patrick Patterson was out, so that that screwed up with their their floor spacing. Um, 
and their whole team kind of slumped. But now, you know, you throw Ibaka in there. I mean, all they gave up was Terrence Ross, who's really just a he's, – he's an above-average player, but he's no more than that. I would like – I mean, the four seed – yeah, the four seed, the problem with it is I'm not afraid of Atlanta, assuming that they're the one that holds onto the fifth seed, playing Atlanta in the first round. Yeah. If, you, if, you're shrew, if your guys are Shooter and Dwight Howard – doesn't scare me in the slightest. I, I'm not really worried about that. I would be surprised if that series went to six games, frankly speaking, and maybe I'm a little bit of a homer, but I would even be surprised in that case. But then that, of course, means that you draw Cleveland in round two, which you know you might as well just call it lights out after that, even if Kevin Love is still at you know, 60, 70%. Um, Who is in the sixth spot right now? Is it, is it the Pacers? Indiana. See that the Pacers actually scare me more than the Hawks. I don't want to play the Pacers either. I think they're just as just athletic. Yep, and you got the Paul George factor. You know that that guy, he can turn it up. He can turn it up to eleven when he needs it to. And and for some reason, um, C.J. Miles loves to uh, play his absolute best against the Wizards. You know somebody, if it's not Paul George, it would be the C.J. Miles or it would be the C.J. Um, excuse me, C.J. The Monte Ellis types who are going to go right. get hot against us because that's just, if you're a D.C. sports fan, that's our history, right? So, yeah, I don't want to play them. I'd love to play Chicago. That would be great. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's I mean, such I think a mess. I, I certainly don't want to. Well, uh, Milwaukee doesn't scare me anymore now that Jabari's out. Yeah, I think Milwaukee's got a little bit of a nosedive because of that, Only unless they make a move at the deadline. I mean, they got Middleton back, and Middleton's um, – he's been back for like two weeks now, and they're – just before the All-Star break, he, he had a couple good games there. but And I think that'll help ease the Jabari Park. But if they would have had him back and Parker and Giannis, uh, I think they could have really, really rolled and possibly moved up into that you know, sixth or seventh seed, easy. Yeah, if they were fully healthy, even with a little bit of the slump they were having after the hot start to the season, they, they would be hell on wheels in terms of who would want to play them. They're like what everyone was saying New Orleans was a couple of years ago, or maybe like a Portland where they're just, they're just so athletic, they're young enough to not really know any better, that they're just going to make life completely complicated for whoever has to play them in the first round. But now I think, you know, without Parker, who is really forming perfect like foil or sidekick or whatever you want to call it to to Giannis um I think they take a step back because it's is, is Parker like you know those guys that you look back and you go oh yeah I remember him he should have been good and then he like had no career because injuries it could be I, I'm just you know second ACL I'm just like man that this this kid's done it's the same knee too yeah because pre-draft you remember is Wiggins and Parker and, and Greatest draft ever. It's going to produce two superstars. And yeah, that draft hasn't been so hot. Wiggins is okay. I mean, he's all right. And Parker's been hurt. And so yeah, that's I... why I still have reservations about this draft because, I mean, I mean you remember the, the, the Wiggins Park, Parker draft. And people were hyping that as like draft of the decade type, type things. And now, you know, we're in the present day and they're, they're hyping this as, you know, the best draft in decades. Like, Okay, we we hear this every three to five years, so uh, I'll believe it when I see it. But I still wouldn't trade a, a first round pick and cheap cheap labor for uh, for nothing, or for a two and a, a half rental month rental euro. To finish off the point about the draft, 
I think one of the big things about the draft is that you're looking at at least three to four players who people have legitimate superstar potential written on them in Fultz, Lonzo Ball, uh, Josh Jackson, and who am I missing? Malik Monk. Like four guys who if you're in the top four, you're like, I would be completely fine with getting this. Um, everybody seems to love Markel Fultz. I haven't really watched him. I, I have never- I never really buy the, oh, he's great, but he just plays on a bad team because I feel like sometimes your talent, especially in basketball, should transcend the bad team. I love Lonzo Ball. I think he's fantastic. He's got a really wacky jump shot, like the way his form is. It's 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 one of the most unorthodox you'll ever see, but it's not like Michael Carter, um, Michael Kidd Gilchrist where it's broken, like it, you're just never going to fix it. But Lonzo Ball is so freaking good. Like his court vision and puts... He has- Everything though. He has he's he's everything. a shooter, he's a facilitator. Um yeah, he 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 can do everything. I, I would seriously, if I were a GM and I'm sitting here like let's say I'm you know, Philadelphia and I end up with the first pick or whoever and I'm in the room, I'm like I would have a really strong debate whether like everyone seems it's faults right now and then ball, but I'm like, man, right. I don't know. If I if I, I have I a think team it's that debatable. If I got shooters around him, I'm I'm playing ball. Like that guy can he's just such a great distributor. And I still love the old school point guard who was a pass first guy. I know we're not playing that era anymore, but still I am biased towards that. I am eagerly awaiting the um actually where like the you know, the lottery because I would love to see Magic Johnson sitting up there representing the Lakers and they fall out of the top three and their pick ends up going to the Sixers. <sighs> I really want to see that happen. Just the Magic Johnson thing. That organization is just like they. No one ever talks bad about them because they're the Lakers and they're a you know they're a legacy organization. But man, that's such a goddamn train wreck. Like you you put Magic and then you put Rob Polinka as your GM. Like what are you doing? Like Magic is great. Magic Magic is a politician. If you really want to sit and look at it, he's a personality. He's not. You know, he's a guy you want in PR or like, you know, figurehead capacity. But like, have isn't you that like, essentially what he is? No. I mean, now he's GM. He's, he's not the GM. He's Fine. the president of basketball operations or whatever. I, I think they're handing – because they have such a habit of handing, you know, their all their old-timer guys, like handing them the reins. Like unless he's going to cobble together like a group of advisors, it's going to be him and Palenka making the deals. I'm like, have you learned nothing from Vladi and Vivek? I mean, well, he's not Vladi, but like, have you learned nothing from them? Like, how many times does a former player that close to the game work? I mean, players only there's a there's a skill set. Just because they're great players doesn't mean they're great general managers or right. player acquisition guys or a great coach or numerous other things. I mean, not everyone's Larry Bird, right? I I can't think of anybody else that really was has been. I mean, well, Danny Ainge is fine. It's it's very rare where you have a superstar, right? Generally, it's like the Steve Kerr's and the Danny Ainge type, you know, uh, the Rick Carlisle's that have success in a second career. You know, guys that were in the league but weren't great. They know the game. They had to study the game because, you know, that was the only way that they were staying in the game. You know? Yeah. And that's why they have – they develop these skills, not the superstars. The superstars always had, like, the mega talent that carried them. So, I mean, how can you – yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a mess, but I mean it's it is it is uh it's amusing. 
I think Vladi in Magic, I mean, Magic is not Vladi because no one is Vladi, but like Vladi is so hilariously overmatched and the beauty of it is he's working with an owner who's even more overmatched or thinks he's a genius, but like, you know, it's completely hopeless. I mean, do we want to open the can for the boogie trade? Because I think everyone... I would love to because I could not believe it. Well, I mean, I, I still, like, I woke up Monday morning and I looked at my phone and I see DeMarcus, I, my, like, jaw dropped. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, one, I couldn't believe he got traded because I really thought he was going to sign his extension because we know what he cares about and it clearly was money and he could have made, what was it, $200 million contract or some crap? It's like 209 officially. Yeah, over seven years or whatever it would have been. It would have been, like, a massive extension and that's all he really cared about, and you knew that's what he wanted. And if I was Sacramento, I I would have kept him, and I would have given him said extension because he's so freaking good. And then you just figure it out because superstar talent doesn't just you don't just get it every draft. You know, I mean, you think Lonzo Ball is going to be a superstar? You, you think um, Falk and whatever and Monk and what they might be, but they don't always turn out to be, and you had a guy that turned out to be a, an absolute superstar, and it was your own ineptitude that um, screwed him up. And then the funny part was he went to another organization that's also dysfunctional. That's my actually one of my biggest qualms with this is how good in this era of basketball, the small ball, quote-unquote, way the game is played, does it work? When you have cousins and Anthony Davis on the same floor, on the same floor, like I don't. Well, it's counter. It's it's going against the grain, so it actually, it's 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 like a massive counterpunch because. Can you? I can totally see them getting the A seed and giving Golden State fits because Golden yes. that is their weakness. Is you know they go small, you stay big, you out rebound them. And you still have uh, shooters and floor spacers on the court because that's what uh, Cousins and, and AD can do for you. You know, the problem for the, for New Orleans is going to be the rest of the roster stinks. The rest of the roster stinks. As incredible as Anthony Davis is, neither Boogie or Anthony Davis are that great as defensive players. Like Anthony Davis is an amazing shot blocker as a rim protector. There's maybe nobody better, but like you know, as a one-on-one guy, if you will, like he's not really all that great. Um, and Boogie just Boogie doesn't want to play defense. Like it just it is what it no. is. It, like he has no interest in playing defense. If, so if if they would have really let him cherry pick in in uh, Sacramento, he totally would have done it and loved it. So, as a caveat to my love or my appreciation for Lonzo Ball, I thought Buddy Hield was going to be great, which shows you that I have no chops in scouting in the NBA. And you know, I don't. I always had my reservations about Buddy because I just I see Michael Carter Williams all the time. I see a a twenty two year old four year player, and I I just know that their potential is maxed by the time they get in the NBA. That's that's the problem that we have in the in you know the current one and done system is. These guys get if if you if you don't get out early and get in the NBA and get the reps and get the minutes, by the time you do get to the NBA, you're too old and nobody and you're easily forgotten. And I th- I thought with Buddy, I was like, you know what? I can just see him. At ba- his best case scenario to, for me was JJ Redick, great spot up shooter, can't play defense and can't do much else. The sad thing is he's not even that great of a spot up shooter anymore. He's and average. He's not. Yeah, but you know. 
Vivek loves them. But apparently so. so Vivek and I was listening to a bunch of Zach Lowe podcasts over the last couple of days and you know the theme kept going over and over again. They're like, Well Vivek thinks he's Steph Curry and I'm like, That's why Vivek is the owner, not the general manager, although he yeah. has a puppet general manager anyway. So we were discussing the idea, and I mean it's still a fascinating idea that if you're the wizards, you know, wouldn't you rather do a deal that's somewhat of the permutation of Otto Porter, Martin Gortat, and a one for DeMarcus Cousins. And Absolutely. You, you, I, wouldn't you do that in a heartbeat? In a heartbeat. You have to because as we were saying, like you put a roster cobbled around Wall, Beal, and Boogie Cousins. Who beats them in the East? And I still got, I still got Keith, right. and I easily slide Oubre into the starting lineup because I'm, I'm not, I'm – I'm really hesitant to get give Otto Porter a max contract exactly. because we have seen John Wall make wing players um, into studs before. Uh, Martel Webster, Trevor Ariza, uh, Rasul Butler. Say, Rasul he Butler. makes everybody look good because he gives them clean, open looks. And what is Otto Porter constantly – why is he leading the league? And I mean Rasul Butler led the league in three-point shooting for, for a stretch the one season he was in Washington and – Otto Porter's been doing it for most of this season because he gets easy three-pointers. Wall's vision and ability to collapse the defense, as you just said, leads to so many wide-open threes for the wings. I mean, of course he's going to play this well. And I would... So why would I invest a max contract when I can just produce these guys? I would love to have, like, him be someone else's problem. Like, I love Otto, I'm happy he's here, but... It is a major cloud hanging over this organization over the summer because, I mean, you can't pay him twenty. I mean, you have you may end up having to, and so far the cards look like that they're going to. But you can't pay him more than John Wall. You can't pay him more than yeah. I mean, just in general, you can't pay him the same money you're giving to Bradley Beal. There is a very very distinct drop off in skill set between Bradley Beal and Otto Porter. Nobody can deny that. As well as Porter is playing this season, there is a very there is a definitely a drop off. Yeah, or and that's why I totally player. would have loved the the Gortat Porter in a one trade for Cousins because not only does it, yeah, I think it also helps us secure Wall for the long term because you're bringing his best buddy here. Exactly, and you have you have one of the few guys where Boogie's not going to come to the team and start making a stink because one of his best friends is here. Exactly. So there's, you know, the whole big uh, I can't was it Kevin Arnovitz that did the article on Sacramento? Yes. Or? Yeah, where like basically the the sentiment was if you are going to trade Boogie and for him to be successful, he has to go to a team with a distinct veteran leadership presence. And Anthony Davis is not uh he's not Kevin Garnett, you know. That's that's essentially the type of player you need is is a a, a superstar veteran that's going to say this is what you're going to do on this team. This is my team and this is how we roll and go out there and win games. I think if he came here, Washington, I, I don't know if John Wall has enough swing, but he at least would have some. I think to some extent you would have the scenario what you had in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City for the last couple of years, where you have the established core of Wall and Beal taking on that leadership mantle, and everyone else kind of falling in line like they did. Like Durant and Westbrook were both under 25 or 26 years old, but they were still the leaders. They led by example. They were the guys everyone knew, the established superstars, and everyone else kind of fell in line with them. I feel like Boogie, Boogie's like a, you know, a, 
he's like a three-year-old that's left unchecked and no one's going to tell him like, no, this is how we do it. So the three-year-old's just going to run the room and he just happens to be, you know, six foot 10 and 250 pounds. So he intimidates the shit out of everybody else. Um, whereas if he goes somewhere here where there's an established, at least people who are established to say, no, this is our team. You are coming into our team. You might be the most physically gifted player here, but you're still coming into our environment as opposed to Boogie basically having the entire organization by the balls. Right. No, and I, and I I definitely credit Paul Pierce for some of that. You know, I his I really wish he would have stuck around for another season because his influence was massive on on Wall and Porter and Beal, and I think that would have helped in this you know dream scenario that now is not going to happen. Um, and then there was a tease, of course, as everyone's saying, like, well, maybe we're going to get Paul George. I'm like, look, we're not going to get Paul George. I mean, what is even- that one? It's Auto Porter and things. For is, Paul George. Is there any scenario? I mean, of course there's any scenario, but is there any realistic scenario with the pieces on the table where you would trade both Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre and a number one? Not that we have a number one, but in a hypothetical world. Who would you have to get back in return? That's realistically available, not like LeBron or Durant. I don't think you're getting Jimmy Butler for that. I'm not taking Jimmy Butler for that. If somebody, if the Bulls came to, if I'm running the Wizards and the Bulls came to me and said Porter Ubre and a one for Jimmy Butler, I'm, I'm hanging up the phone. I'm like, I'm not doing that. You're not doing that for Paul George. <sighs> He's so freaking good. We have to have the conversation. It's just you're gutting your depth. That's my biggest problem. Well, I mean, part of the reason they threw, they wanted Marcus Thornton thrown in this this deal was to clear a roster spot. So that they can get some of these cast offs. So, I mean, th- there might be a Tyreek Evans available. Who knows? Uh, who else was sent over in that deal? Oh, Langston Galloway. Langston Galloway. You know, there are going to be other casualties of the trade deadline coming up that you can kind of reload a little bit. That if you had a chance at a, you, I would totally make that deal for Paul George. I have never liked him since he's been in the league. But I would kind of kick the tires on Tyreek Evans if he was available. Oh, hell yeah. For for a playoff on, run? Yeah, for a playoff run. Oh, I would, absolutely. I would kick the tires on him. That's w- more microwave offense because that guy doesn't do a damn thing besides shoot bad shots. But at least some of the shots are going to go in. I would kind of kick the tires on that one. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a massive upgrade over Trey Burke and uh, Thomas Satoriasis. You know who I really wanted, and it was he was wasn't linked to anyone. In fact, I haven't heard his name in a single trade rumor. But he makes no sense on his current team, and I think he makes great sense on this Wizards team. Leandro Barbosa in Phoenix. Well, and you would think Phoenix was in in massive sell mode. They are in massive sell mode. They've but they're not put, moving. But they're not anybody. moving anything. But they they have like veterans like PJ Tucker and Tyson Chandler who they're trying to get rid of. Leandro Barbosa is the most veteran of all of them. He played in a championship or he's part of the Golden State Warriors over there. He still can score. He fits perfectly on this team. And he, he was a wizard for a, I mean, a, for like a, a minute, second, but he had no knee or yeah. knees or knee at that time. And we got rid of him of course for nothing because that's what we do. But he would be the established veteran presence in for a um, for a playoff run. Like I really like the idea of him. I mean, it's not going to happen. This is just completely no. shooting in the dark. That would be. I wanted anybody from the Nuggets. Is really what if I was going to trade a, a first round pick it, and I could get anybody from the Nuggets in return? That's a deal that I'm was pulling the trigger on. I 
I would love Wilson Chandler, Will Barton, Gary Harris. Any one of those three would be uh, I, I would have preferred over Bogdanovich. I made up a trade in the trade machine, and it worked. So I sent Trey Burke, because I'll take back Trey Burke for anything. I'll take Trey, ba- Trey Burke back for a VHS tape at this point. So I got I sent, the VHS tapes. I'll Wait, take, I don't want Trey Burke. <laughs> exactly. I sent Trey Burke, Sadoransky, and theoretically a number one. And I got back Will Barton, but I had to eat Mike Miller's contract, which is three and a half a year. But I still had to eat Mike Miller's contract. So we would reacquire Trailer Trash Miller, but we would get Mike, we would get Will Barton back. So Burke, and we still have to eat his salary if he retired, right? I think so. So Burke Sadoransky in a one for Will Barton and Mike Miller. Who says? I, 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 I guess, would do I guess, that. I guess Denver would say no in that case because I don't think they give a damn about Burke or Sadoransky, but. Right, but they get a one out of they it. They get a one out of it, but it's not—it's not even a lottery. Don't one. they need a one after uh, reacquire after getting uh, Mason Plumley? They might. That I, would help them. So that was my Will Barton trade. I do like Will Barton. Uh, I, I like Will he, Barton a lot. I would still see if because I think Tibbs hate him, so hates him. So I would still think if we can try to swindle them out of getting Shabazz Muhammad, it's not a bad move. Like there was a lot. It's of not sh- a bad move for the right price, but again, I didn't under. When that rumor came up, I, it was again the same thing. I'm like, we don't need wing depth. We need point, point guard. guard. Yeah. You know, I don't need another like with with PJ Tucker. Like I like PJ Tucker. I think he's a, he's a nice basketball player. Anybody would like to have him on their team because he's very versatile. But he doesn't fill our our doesn't need. Our need is is the backcourt, not the frontcourt. Yeah, and that's and. So she that's why I kind of like the, the the Gary Harris, Will Barton, um, or or a Darren Collison's type move. Um, the one that I didn't understand was everyone talking about Brandon Jennings being a thing. I have want nothing to do with that guy. I mean, it just doesn't make sense from a from a salary perspective. Why the hell would we want Brandon Jennings? I mean, I know why we would want in theory Brandon Jennings, but it's like, how would how that much work? is New York paying him? I'm looking that up right now. Too damn much. That's how it's much. just too much. And first of all, he loves being in New York because I think he's he's a like a, a local guy. So, what the hell is Brandon Jennings? Oh, he's on a one year, five million deal, so he's expiring. See, I would kick the tires on that. But then he, yeah. also, I mean, he's a chucker. I mean, which is fine because we again, he's we a chucker, but he's also a head case. He is a head case, and that's you really want to bring that into the locker room. No, I mean, I would do it with Cousins because Cousins is excellent. You but. do it with Cousins because, in theory, you have the infrastructure around him that could work. Whereas Jennings is just—he's bounced around so many places, and yeah, I just don't see him that being all that valuable. And he's the anti guy in terms of bringing intangibles for a playoff run. To totally circle back with like the whole uh, conversation, I, I one I found it funny that Magic was swooped into the Lakers after they botched the Cousins trade, and two. Um, I thought it was funny that all the offers that Sacramento were getting were getting just completely crushed because Cousins' agent was telling every team we're not going to resign with you because we want to stay in Sacramento so we can get more money. So it, it was all just a massive comedy of errors. It was it was one of those things where like you know I mean yeah the Kings shot themselves in the foot but as uh, if you really sit back and look at it. 
did they have the better deal that they could have taken where you could have pointed to that and say they should have done this because you could say that, oh, well, they could have done this and they could have gone to Boston. They could have taken some of Boston's assets or what have you, even though it seems like Danny Age really didn't have any interest in Boogie. But at the end of the day, I think Vivek's infatuation with Buddy Heald was really the tipping factor. I think I think if 28 of the remaining 29 teams came and they brought good offers, let's just take the Brandon Ingram LA situation off the table. I think Vivek would have been like, no, I'm keeping Boogie. But the fact that Buddy Heald was a thing, and he's like, oh, Buddy Heald is stiff curry. Maybe we should do that. And like, because that's, that's Vivek and he doesn't really know a goddamn thing. But if that's true, that's crazy. I, I really like, I like my angle where it was the agent squashed all the deals by um, just threatening that they wouldn't resign. I mean, I and think it just demonstrated how money driven Cousins is. I put it at 50-50 right now to be completely honest with you the cousin signs with New Orleans. I don't I think I guess, I don't think he does. I guess cuz I don't think the team will get their their shit together where they're competent enough where I think he'll just he'll do the Durant thing and and he'll I'm going to entertain offers. Why the hell not? The only thing that I think can save them, which I definitely think is on the table even though it would be completely ridiculous and not worthy for them is if they dump Alvin Gentry and they go after Coach Calipari. And I think well, that's a thing. So that's the rumor. And then the, the other rumor is uh, we're going to bring John Wall into New Orleans and really get this Kentucky thing going. I don't think John Wall's going to New Orleans. And I, that might, I could be completely being a homer about that, but I think if we can offer him some type of super max deal, I think he's staying here. I, I pray to God. I hope that, that, <laughs> that he does. But I, I am also fearful that when his contract's over, he's going to do the same thing. Let me see what kind of offers I got. There isn't like this isn't Bryce Harper where like you have the New York the luster of the New York Yankees hanging over them like you have to go to a market like you're the only time you have a superstar of that ilk go switching teams is when you have Kevin Durant with the possibility of joining the Golden State Warriors and altering history like I don't necessarily think John right. and you have a cap that explodes to levels where you have multiple bidders whereas uh for the, well, you're gonna have multiple. There's there's tons of teams with cap room this summer, but then after that, that cap room, most teams' cap rooms are tied are gonna be tied up. I'm trying and to then look the expiring contracts become a, a thing again, where people are just trading for guys to clear cap space for the summer because the cap's gonna flatten out over the next couple years. That's the thing. I mean, it's if the Wizards, so circling back again, if the Wizards do make a move, it's pretty slim pickings left in terms of who's available in the market. As we've, we've talked about all the guys, there's Darren Collison, there's Brandon Jennings, if you're looking at point guards. And then there's, you know, the Will Bartons and the, you know, Shabazz Muhammad's of the world. I mean, that's really about it as far as Shabazz realistic. Shabazz Muhammad doesn't help us now. No. So I have a feeling that I know, you know, Tim Bontemps and David Aldridge and all these guys say that you know there's still some stuff going on in the background. I think we're done. To be completely honest with you, if I had to put my yep. money on it, like I don't think anything else is getting moved because one, there's nothing, and two, there's no assets to move them for. And it really unless just, they could get Darren Collinson's for this year's second, because I had to I had to look for a second because I thought they traded this year's second for Trey Burke. They traded the 2021 second round pick for Trey Burke, so they still have this year's second. Which I would flip in a New York second, no pun intended, because right. what, the, what, what the hell are we going to do with it? Right. Um, I mean, so if I could get a Darren Collinsons for this year's second, I would totally do that, I'd even though I know seconds. that he's gone. But they desperately need 
um, some some point guard backup point guard help. But let's play. I mean, it's wonderful that we can have this conversation and the fact that the Wizards, especially after the way they started, that we're having this conversation and we're having these delusions of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals or even a small outside chance of past that. But let's be right. realistic here. Yeah. But it was. it's really all going to come down to what happens tomorrow. Namely, does Toronto have something up their sleeve? And more importantly, or more realistically, what does Boston do? If everything, if the dust settles and... Boston still has the Brooklyn pick. I will feel a lot more comfortable about the rest of the season. So what would they trade the Brooklyn pick? Jimmy Butler and Paul George? Jimmy Butler and Paul George. That's the only realistic thing. There's no way. Danny H cannot be that stupid to say that, like, to include any part of it, the Carmelo trade. I wouldn't trade any draft pick for Carmelo Anthony, but that's me. Yeah, that is it. That is it. I like Jimmy Butler. I like Paul George. That is tough. That if, is tough. The, I I wouldn't do it because even if you get them, I it still doesn't mean you're going to win the championship. You st- even if you get past Cleveland, there's a buzzsaw coming out of the West Wing right. for you. I so I would almost rather Cleveland. keep the potential number one overall pick and get a once in a generational player. Um, on the cheap, and and just keep this because I mean you you'd still have Isaiah. Um, you you still have Al Horford. You still have Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley. Um, I forget when his contracts and ends, but I, I think, think this is years. next year. Yeah, I think they have him for one more year. Uh, I mean. They could have a really nice team for a longer period of time. I don't know. I, I wasn't in favor of the Wiggins for Kevin Love trade because I thought, oh, Andrew Wiggins is he could be your he could carry your franchise for the next fifteen years. But it's kind of worked out pretty well for uh, Cleveland, I'd say. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a hard thing. How do you do? You, do you trade for proven, proven star power or potential superstar power? I don't know. It really comes down to because I think if if Boston gets better than that, you're looking at two roadblocks in the East, and it's almost then like, are you happy with the second round appearance, and then you're done because you're probably not getting past either of those guys. And that's what I think the intrigue for tomorrow for me holds that like I don't really care about anybody else. But Boston is really the biggest shaker because they have the most assets and they kind of control the market outside of everyone else adding bits and pieces. And that's the thing I keep going back to. So that's the thing I keep going back to with the Wizards. That's like, okay, you make this deal. You sacrifice a one and you get, you know, Bogdanovich and you sacrifice maybe a couple of twos and you get another rental. Okay, they're going to walk away at the end of the season. We're kind of right back where we started minus the assets. Right. And again, wouldn't that first round, you know, cheap? You're they're already capped out, you yeah, know, because of the field deal. Get, and, and then if you have to re-sign auto, you're absolutely capped out. Wouldn't you rather have a rookie on a you know two million dollar or less contract sitting on the end of your bench than paying a veteran that is making more? Which is why as sacrilegious as it might be to say, like trading auto made so much sense. 
I I honestly didn't for the right deal. I had I still don't have a problem with trading auto because. But auto I, and I think that you can replicate the production with somebody else. Auto and a one would have been incredible. Auto by himself, it's like, eh, what are we going to get in return for that? Right. You know, like auto and a one, you can at least have the conversation. Indiana probably hangs up the phone very, very, very quickly. But you can at least start the conversation or get the first words out of your mouth that, hey, we're thinking about offering auto and a one for Paul George. It's not going to go further than that. But you can at least have these types of conversations. Auto Porter by itself, and it's like, and? That's what you're offering me? And again, I'm still in favor. Like, you can't gut the roster for Otto and Kelly. I mean, unless you're getting something really, really, really high quality in return. So, tomorrow will be interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's actually going to be kind of a letdown. It always is. It's yeah, because I think we've already seen a bunch of we've seen a lot of early moves. So, you know, like Mason Plumley would kind of kicked it off, and then you saw Cousins and um, Surge. So a lot of big big plays have already happened. I, I don't think you're going to see. I don't. You know, Blake's not moving from from L.A. You know, I don't see Paul George getting shipped. I doubt Carmelo. Will, all the Carmelo deals are dumb. Like, why would – or just terrible returns. Yeah, we'll give you Austin Rivers and J.J. Redick and give us Carmelo. Like, that's a terrible trade. Did you hear the deal that L.A. proposed to the Wizards? It was Austin Rivers. Um, yeah. Who, uh, not Jamison Crowder. He plays for the Redskins. Uh, the sixth man for, the, for L.A. Yes, I – Jamal Crawford. Thank you, Jamal Crawford. Uh, Jamal Crawford, Austin Rivers, and I think it was like a one for Otto Porter, and they were joking that er- – I think Zach Lowe was, was joking that Ernie threw his phone on the ground, and I'm like, yes, I would have thrown my phone into I was, a swimming pool I as well. absolutely nothing to do with Austin Rivers. <laughs> if I'm getting Austin Rivers in return, the only thing I'm trading is Trey Burke. It's like, hey, you, <laughs> take, you take Trey Burke, I'll take Austin Rivers. That's fine. And I'll still be kind of mad that I had to take Austin Rivers, even though I'm getting rid of Trey Burke. Yep. Yeah, I think it's all going to be – I think all eyes on Boston. That's all I care about. I, there's going to be a bunch of little here and there nickel and dime deals, which is fine. Everyone's going to kind of trade you know, their potato chips for your Doritos. Great. That's fine. But although I do like Doritos more. If they're the yeah. fiery Cheetos, then like, okay, now we're talking. My, um, my eyes is on the uh, cast-offs, the, 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 the trade casualties so that you know we yeah, can make a, guys. make a run at some – Potential. I mean, I mean, Cleveland and San Antonio and Golden State are, you know, the prime ring chasing destinations. But I, I still think that we might be able to catch somebody. Might be able to catch some of the the C list castoffs. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, John, for staying up past your bedtime to talk some wizards. Uh, if you guys haven't done so already, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us some ratings on ratings, some reviews, some ratings. I just couldn't find those two words on iTunes. And we'll hopefully be rejoined by Neil in the near future to further discuss the second half of the NBA season. But until then, happy trade watching, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.